I want you to open your Bible to the book of Philippians in chapter number 4. And we're going to look in a moment at two very familiar verses. Now, one of the things that I love doing is reading prayers. Now, this may sound strange to you. You say, what do you mean reading prayers? Well, I mean I love reading prayers. Now, you say, well, that's just not my cup of tea. Well, let me say to you, you might want to try a cup of that. You'll be amazed if somehow or another you can read prayers. In fact, you already do read prayers, and I'll tell you how in just a moment. But one of the prayers that I love to read, I have a little booklet called The Valley of Vision. It is a, it is a book of prayers of the pilgrim, or not the, of the pilgrims in the 16th and 17th century. In other words, these were... These, this, the pilgrims were a group of people, not pilgrims, the Puritans. The Puritans were a group of people that they emphasized purity and holiness and godliness, godliness and they were called Puritans. And, and they, they stressed living a clean life and a pure life. And their prayer life was a major part of that. Now, this little booklet, it's very interesting about this little booklet. I was looking at, at the little front end of this booklet here uh, this week. It was first published in 1975. And then 27 years went by, and it was reprinted in the year 2002. And then there was a second printing in 2002. Then in 2003, there were two printings. And then five are printed, six are printed, seven are printed. 2009, it was reprinted twice in 2009, 2011, one, 2012, one, 13, one, 14, one, 15, one. So here, here's this little book. Now, we do not have this in the bookstore here, but like you could get this if you wanted to read these prayers. Now, you understand in the 16th and 17th centuries, they prayed in the old King James, okay? So when you read these prayers, it's, it's, the, it's the old way of saying things, but it is a fantastic book of prayers and devotions. And so that is one of the things that I love reading. Now, something a little more contemporary book of prayers, and this is in our bookstore. Many of you have it. It's Dr. Lord John Ogilvie's book, Quiet Moments with God. This is a fantastic devotional book. Dr. Lord John Ogilvie, for 25 years, was pastor of the Hollywood Presbyterian Church in, in California, and then he left that church after 25 years to be the chaplain of the United States Senate, where he served for a good number of years. His wife became ill, and ultimately he had to resign his chaplaincy, and, and then she later went to be with the Lord, and then since Dr. Ogilvie has had a fantastic ministry of speaking and writing and teaching at Fuller Seminary, and just last year he himself went to be with the Lord. Now, both John and I and Dottie have been blessed by the life of Lord John Ogilvie. In fact, he's to John, he's been a real mentor, and to me and to Dottie, a lesser mentor, but a dear, dear man of God. And he wrote this book of prayers. And, and what's so neat about this, you say, that'd be the most boring thing in the world. No, it's one of the most exciting things in the world because the way this is written, like a devotion for the day, but it, it, you finish the prayer. In other words, he doesn't end the prayer. 
he, he writes it in such a way that you just pick up and go from there. So now that is another blessed, wonderful thing. Now, if you want to be a little bit more contemporary, say, well, you know, I don't know about reading the Puritan's prayers or, you know, maybe, maybe Ogilvy, Dr. Ogilvy's prayer. Well, we have this other guy named John Redmond. Now, his prayers are free. You may like his prayers best. And I'm holding one, and they have it on the screen. This is this morning prayer that, you know, you've seen this, but John has revised the morning prayer. If I can remember, I'm going to talk about translations in a moment, how they keep revising translations. Well, oh, John, he told me this, Dad, I have revised the morning prayer. I said, well, I like the other morning prayer. Why did you change? He said, well, the one I have is shorter. And there is a booklet he's written on the Psalms. And in that booklet is this new revised morning prayer. Now, to bless you at no cost whatsoever, when you leave tonight at both welcome centers, there is a stack of these revised, shorter morning prayers. And I want to say this. This is a great, great prayer starter for you in the daytime. Now, in addition to that, you, you have some of the greatest prayers ever, the prayers in the Bible, many of them, of course, in the, in the, in the Psalms, some of the most beautiful prayers in, that you'll ever read are in the Psalms, and as you read the Psalms, you read them all the time. And then in our text tonight, we, we, have, we have the Apostle Paul teaching us about prayer. And so that's somewhat where I want us to pick up now. Now, I'm going to be reading mainly from the New King James Version. And, uh, you know, I want to stop just a moment before I even read the text. And I don't want to go down this very long. But, you know, when I first became a minister, everybody just had the same translation. Everybody had the old King James Version, pretty much. Today, there are so many different translations that, you know, it's impossible for you to have one that everybody has. The New King James, uh, most folks can follow you, whatever they have, and yet there are many other good translations. I made a statement. I was quoting Dr. Swindle. Dr. Swindle said that whatever translation that you use needs to do be two things. Number one, it needs to be readable needs to be readable. You need to be able to stand the translation you're reading, and it needs to be reliable. And there are many good translations that are readable and reliable. Now, the problem is, with the exception of the old King James, they just keep revising the translations. So now if a person's reading out the NIV, you say, now, do you have the NIV before a certain date, or do you have the NIV after a certain date? Well, they just keep revising that. And, and, you know, but I just encourage you, you know, I do say to people, get you a translation that, that works for you. And there are many, many of them. Uh, and, and I'm big into translations. I look at numbers of translations. Anytime I'm going to preach, I'm going to look at three, four, five different translations because they each give a little, sometimes a little different flavor, a little different thought, a little different insight, and you put it all back together. But having said all of that, now, be very careful. Understand something. <laughs> and the first person I ever heard to say this was Dr. Curtis Vaughn, who's probably one of the most godly, brilliant 
professors that John ever had or that I ever had or ever taught at Southwestern Seminary, he made a statement one day. It's a true statement. He said, we have to understand about translations. In a way, they're commentaries. I mean, human beings take Scripture and they sometimes have committee here, committee there. But I mean, they're trying to translate words into our English language and you know, they do it a lot of different ways. This idea that there's just one good translation, let me say it the way I would say it before I was sanctified. That's brain dead. There are many good translations. And be very careful. If you're one of these that says, no, this is it, this is it right here. Let me tell you what, whatever you're saying, this is it, they're revising it. Like when the English Standard version came out, which is a great translation. When they first came out, they said, we will never revise this translation. It's already been revised once, and now it's being revised again. And it should be, as they find new discoveries and new scrolls, and as word meanings change, so, you know, it changes much. Now, the New Living Translation is what I'm reading my Bible through my daily Bible reading this year, and I'm being blessed by it. But yet, uh, I always seem to kind of come back to the New King James. One final word about translations. These, these more modern translations, and I love them, but they're hard to memorize from. The King James and the New King James is much easier to memorize from than the New Living Translation or the English um, uh, the, the English translation or the New American Standard or the you know, NIV, even though some of my favorite verses I've memorized those different translations. Well, we've just had a course on translations. Let's get off of it and get on down to our text. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, look at this, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, going back to translations just a moment. For example, the New King James says, be anxious for nothing. That's how it translates it. (laughs) The New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. Well, I like that. Don't worry about anything. All right. The English Standard Version says, do not be anxious about anything. Almost what the New King James says. The Old King James says, be careful for nothing. Well, that that was good in 1611, but that's not too good in 2021. I mean, the word, who would know careful means anxious? Okay. And then the NIV says, do not be anxious about anything. But here's the bottom line. Whatever translation you are reading from, whether it says, don't worry about it, don't be anxious about it, or as the King James says, be, uh, don't, you know, be careful about it, however it's translated, here, here's the thing you won't understand. The Greek word is in the present tense. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with it. The Bible is not saying, you know, when you become a Christian, you won't ever be anxious about something or you won't ever worry. The present tense in Greek means this. Now, you need, to, you need to remember this. It means something that's ongoing. It's like a lifestyle. That's where the Greek language is really good. 
And the Hebrew language, which is Old Testament, is even more descriptive. So what this is saying is, the, the Bible's not saying now, you know, you can't ever worry about anything. No, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, as a believer, we, we shouldn't be living a lifestyle where we just worry about everything. You know, some people just say, well, you know, I'm just a worrier. Well, we all worry about things from time to time, but that's different than just being a person that's always a worry. Now, here's the deal. How, how can you do that? Well, here's why I love these verses. He, he gives three things that we need to build into our prayer life. Let's look at them. He says, don't be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. Okay, now what do I do? Well, here's what you do. Look at it. If you're a Bible underliner, he says, by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, those are the three steps, prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. So, you know, here I am, here you are, and, you know, maybe, you know, we all, we, sometimes this happens, that happens, but if we find that, hey, this has become like a lifestyle for me, what, what do I do? How do I get out of this thing I'm worried about? It's very simple. Here's what Paul says, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. And let's deal with those real quickly. By prayer, what does that refer to? It refers to what I would call prayers in general. And there's nothing wrong with prayers in general. You know, like at night, we will say, Dottie, the last thing we do at night is pray for our family. And we call them by name, and normally we are praying prayers that are what we'd call just prayers in general. God, help Help John sleep good tonight. Help Joel sleep good tonight. Jody, Charlie Joel, Joel Jr., and Dottie, and myself, and, and, and help us wake up in the morning, God, ready for the new day. Well, now, that's a good prayer. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But that's, that's, that's a general prayer, and it's, it's a blessing. And, and so, but that's part of our prayer life. Now, what you say, well, what, what does supplications refer to? Well, supplications is a step deeper where we are praying about specific needs, okay? Uh, like this morning, I woke up at 4.30, and uh, I decided I was too awake to even try to go back to sleep. So that's about 30 minutes ahead of time for me. But I just got up and had really a beautiful time of prayer. Now, uh, in my prayer time today, like uh, Joel our Joel and Joel Jr., uh, they had gone. Now, this is, you do need to pray for some of my family. They had flown to Colorado, isn't that right? To see the Astros play the Rockies. Is that what the deal was? They evidently don't know that the Astros play here at home some. They could have gone. But anyway, but they were going to be flying back home this morning. And so I prayed this morning. I was by myself. I prayed that the plane, I prayed there'd be angels around the plane. I prayed they'd get, you know, get on the plane, have a safe trip back, and get back over. Now, I just, that's a specific kind of thing. And is, is there are other specific things. Here's, here's what I've learned about specific praying. Specific prayers bring specific answers. If you just pray in general, God bless bless all the missionaries out there, God. Well, we need to pray for all the missionaries out there. But if we know some specific needs and names and what they're going through, we, we could be more specific in our praying. Uh, 
you know, I'll give a quick word of testimony to show this works. One of the things that I've been faithful to do is all last year, I prayed almost every day last year, life's church year. We, this was like we quit church and we, you know, we write no, no sons. I just prayed that two things. Now, these are measurable things that I mentioned. Him. I prayed that our people would remain faithful in their giving. And I prayed that God would bless our church with unusual gifts. By unusual gifts, I mean gifts that we wouldn't normally get. Maybe a family in the church inherits some money and they give extra. Or another family comes up. Or, or people even beyond our church. It's the most interesting thing. Through this whole, now Debbie Keeser sitting there. She can say the, what the pastor is saying is exactly right. We have been amazed all last year and until about five, four or five weeks ago, we just keep getting this out of nowhere, it seems like. Here comes a $20,000 check. Here comes a unusual check and I mean checks is coming from other places and other people just and it's really helped us now in the last four or five weeks we've we've been faithful in our regular giving but there's not been really any extra significant extra gifts like that and I was thinking about it last week and I told this today I've been busy I said you know I'm going to confess something I've quit praying for that I just you know I just went on to other things, and I thought, I've got to get back to praying. And so I want to warn you, I'm praying for some extra gifts. And as you go out tonight, there'll be big barrels out in the commons if you feel no. But let me ask you to do something. You, you'll be amazed. Like, I drove across Houston last year one time. A man called me, not a member of our church, and said, I, I have a gift that I want to give the church, but I want to hand it to you before I die. I could mail it. In fact, he said it's already in an envelope. But is there any way you could drive to where I am and pray with me, and I just want to give the gift to the church? And I did. And I think that gift was maybe $25,000, or it, it, may have been, it may have been more. I don't remember that now. And two days later, after I drove across town one night to get that gift, that man went to be with the Lord. I, I could tell you just story after story after story how God, you know, what's that old thing where God guides, God provides? And so I'm just saying, you know, like these people being saved on Sunday, we, we're praying not just God give us a good service Sunday. We're praying people be saved in these services and that things happen in these services. So I want to encourage you. You know, rather than worry, pray those general prayers, but pray specific prayers. And then notice what it adds to this list. It says, by prayer and supplication. Now get ready for the part that, that you may not have thought about. And thanksgiving. And thanksgiving. Now here's the question. Thanksgiving for what? Now, in the New Living Translation, the, the, the New King James doesn't do it, and the ESV doesn't do it. I'm not being critical. They just don't do it. The only translation that I have seen, there maybe that the translators here 
We're thinking what I think God has put on my heart. This whole thing, you look at it, look at it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. What do you do? Let your request be known to God, and the result, we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, here's the question. And I was just praying over those verses one morning, and I got to that, and I thought, now, wait a minute here. Thanksgiving for what? Well, some would answer that by saying, well, what that's, what that's talking about, it, it's talking about that you're thanking God for what you're about to pray for in advance. Now, listen to me very carefully. That is what I call name it, claim it, prayer theology, and it's hogwash. It's blasphemy to Scripture. We don't tell God what to do. And this idea that we say, okay, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray about something, and I'm going to just thank God in advance that what I'm asking God to do, God's going to do it. Let me tell you what it'll do. If you believe that, if you believe that, now it may be what you ask God to do, God does it. But that's not what this is talking about. What it's talking about is something bigger and better that will open the door for God to do something bigger and better. Here's the deal. If, if you believe that when you pray, the Bible says, and thanksgiving, that means you've asked God to do something. Now you're just going to thank God that it's done. And because you've asked and you thank, it's going to be done. Let me tell you what it'll do. It'll just, I guarantee you what it'll do. You'll lose your faith in prayer. And worse, it's possible you might lose your faith in God. And I've known many good people do both. Many sincere people have said to me over these years, I, I don't think there's any reason to pray. I pray, I believe, I thank God, and it never happened. Well, they, they have a problem with their understanding of the totality of what Scripture says. Now, if we had time, we can go over and get a little verse. Anything you ask in his name, we can't get off on everything. Well, you can find a little verse saying this, that, and yonder. But you don't, you don't build your theology on a little verse hither and yonder. You build your theology on the whole thing. The question is, thanksgiving for what? Well, let me give you a list. I don't know if you're jotting anything down or not. But I want to just give you what I think and what God has shown me. First of all, here it is. Uh, and I love how the New Living Translation translates it, and I'll read that in just a moment. You say, well, then what are we to thank God for? Well, what are we to thank God for? Well, first of all, we are to just thank God, first of all, uh, that we can pray. And I think they're going to, that prayer is possible. That sinful me <laughs> and sinful you can pray to the creator of the universe. Wouldn't you say that's something to be thankful for? Just thankful that we can talk to God. So that's one of the things to be thankful for. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what am I going to thank God for? Well, number one, thank God I can pray. Number two, I'm going to thank God that he hears my prayers. You should thank God that he hears your prayers. And the Bible teaches that. The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord on the righteous, his ears are open to their prayers. So when we pray, God hears our prayers. We, we, this morning as I was praying in the den, it's dark outside and no lights on the house. 
But I was just praying. I thought, God, it's what a blessing to know that here I am in my den in the dark, and I'm praying to God, the creator of the universe. And God, you're hearing my prayers. You're hearing my prayers. So I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But now here's the biggie. So what are we to thank God for? Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. We should thank God for the attributes of God. Now this is key. And this is what I want you to get tonight and have when you leave. The attributes of God. You say, what do you mean by attributes? Uh, What God is like. Like we should thank God for his attributes. What he's like and what is true about God. I just jotted down some of the things. His omnipresence, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his mercy, his love, his faithfulness, his goodness. His, the way he provides uh, his forgiveness, that God has no bad days. God has no momentary breakdowns. Uh, uh, he, he has no shifting moods. God's always the same. I love that verse in Malachi 3 where God says, I am the Lord. I do not change. So when we go to God in prayer, and we offer our general prayers, we offer our supplications, then what we need to do before we ever, before we do anything, we need to be thanking God for what? For who He is. For what He is. Thanksgiving and praise are like, they're like cousins. They, you know, when you praise God, you're thanking God. I know we praise God for who He is and thank God for what He does. I understand that. But the bigger picture of that. When you're, when you're thanking God for all these attributes, you're praising God for these attributes. And that is a beautiful thing. Now, number four, we should thank God uh, for the answered prayers we've all experienced. You know, that's what David did in Psalm 13. He, verses 1 and 2, you know, he has all those things. God, why have you forgotten me, daughter, daughter? In verses 3 and 4, he has this little prayer. Then verses 5 and 6, I've trusted in the Lord. Uh, and, and he finishes up, you know, because he has dealt bountifully with me. So when you're, when you're going to God in prayer about some specific need, and maybe about that one little need, you're worried about that. And that can be very valid. It's not your lifestyle, but here's this. Okay, well, you thank God. And, and you remember these prayers that, that you've prayed in days gone by. And then another thing to be thankful for is for Romans eight twenty eight. A lot of things happen we don't understand, but we know God's going to work them out if we will respond appropriately. So I, that, that has helped me so very much. And then thank God that our prayers are not suspended on his answers. You know, it's, it's not like, God, I'm going to pray, but the whole deal is if I don't see your answers, then, then this thing's just not going to work. I'll put on the screen that great verse in uh, Habakkuk. Uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. You might jot the, these two verses down and read them later. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor a fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So, you know, your prayers, don't, they, they're not dependent upon you seeing the answers. You, you're just asking God. You're making your request be made known. And the New Living Translation, here's, here's how this says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. That's supplication. And thank Him for all He has done. That's not in the New King James. 
That's not in the ESV. And I didn't check the NIV. But in, in New Living Translation has it. You, you're thanking God for all the things he has done. That is the idea. And it is a very, very good idea. Now, uh, now, what is the result of this kind of prayer? We'll look back in our scripture in Philippians chapter 4, uh, in verses six, 6 and 7. It's in verse 7. Here it is. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding regards your hearts and your minds in the Lord Jesus through Christ Jesus. That word, that word peace here is the, the Greek word irene, and, and the whole idea of that word, it's, it's the idea of completeness. Peace is like the calmness of the soul. Uh, this, it holds us together. Like the opposite of the word peace would be like something coming apart. Have you ever felt that way? I, I have in my life. I've just felt like, hey, man, I'm coming apart. What, what's happening to me? I, I've lost my peace. <laughs> I need to be put back together again. And we've all been there. And this is the way through that. And this is the way from that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, let me just give you a, a two scriptures to read later because of time. But a tremendous illustration of this is, is in the book of Second Chronicles in chapter number 20. It's, it's a, I wish I had time to read. I, I have the Bible. I just, time won't let me read it. But you can read Second Chronicles chapter 20. tells a story about King Jehoshaphat and these other countries had formed an alliance. And he's a king over in Jerusalem and Judea. And they're going to go to battle, and, and I mean, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have a chance. You've got three or four different countries all teamed up, and they're going to fight him. Well, he gathers his troops. But when you read this chapter, when he got time to fight, instead of calling for his troops, he called for singers. He called for the singers, and the singers began to sing. Now, you'd think the troops would have gone to war, <laughs> but the singers right in front of the troops. And you ought to read this chapter. And the, and the armies got all messed up, mixed up, and they went to killing each other. And as you read on in the chapter, they killed each other till all of them were dead. And the singers just kept right on singing. Well, what they were doing, they were thanking God. They were praising God. And if you read that chapter, it starts out, they're focusing on the attributes of God. A chapter you'd be more familiar would be Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail. Now, you know this story well. And at midnight, they, they were they were singing hymns and they were praising God. What were they doing? They were thanking God for his attributes, for who he was and what he was. And, and victory came in a beautiful way. Here's, here's what I want you to remember about tonight. This is key. And this is why this grabbed hold of me in such a way. Now, we all have needs. Our church has needs. I encourage you. As we journey on through this pandemic, be, think a little bit about what is the church dealing with that the church would not be dealing with if there were no pandemic. Well, if you wouldn't know or don't know, I, if you'll call my office, I'll have, we'll email you several things. Well, you don't even have to know the thing, but just pray that we have God's wisdom to keep reaching people, ministering to people, helping people, doing what we can here and beyond our walls. 
So there are things you can pray that will make a difference. But here's the deal. Pray general, yes. Pray specific, yes. But pray with thanksgiving. Thanking God for who he is and what he's done. Now, I saw this in a beautiful way. Dottie, if you'll come real quickly. John, help your mom. If you're going to Joel, help, help somebody. Uh, one of my boys, help your mother. All right. Those steps. I need help when I go up them too. Uh, I, I saw this in a beautiful way two years ago. Two years ago, lacking, lacking about two weeks. When, when, when we started the journey, on May the 2nd, we started our journey with our cancer issue. And I want you just in a nutshell to share how you prayed because it's the very thing I'm trying to teach. To say that I was shocked is an understatement because I had never felt better in my whole life and the doctor presented me with this situation. And I remember thinking, this is not good. And then I remember thinking, it's gonna be okay because God is going to be with you whatever you go through, even 320 hours of chemo, which I had no idea. But from the get-go, I just started praising God. I camped out in all the praise verses in the Bible. I have even underlined those praise verses in green, and I would read them, and I would say, Oh, God, I praise you for who you are. There's nothing too hard for you, and I praise you for your omnipresence. I thank you that whatever I go through, you're going to be with me, and so it's going to be okay. And yes, I asked for healing. I said, oh, Lord, I do want to be healed. But I said, whichever way it goes, I thank you that you are with me through everything that I have to go through. And as long as you are with me, then I'm going to be okay. And I am not going to, I said, may I never lose my joy. I have nothing. This should never take my joy away. And may I always have a spirit of song <laughs> in my heart. And many times, and I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I am. Uh, many times when I was having tests, and that's not too much fun. You know, you wait, and they put you in a room, and they close the door, and they say, don't dare open the door. <laughs> and so I'd be in that room, and I would be praying, and I would be thanking God, and I'd be praising God. And the next thing I knew, I was singing. I was singing in the presence of Jehovah. And I, that's, that was on my mind the whole time that we were going through this. His presence is with me. Omnipresence. Omnipresence. He is with me. Omnipotence. All of those things. And as long as he is with me, I thank you, God. And I said this so many times, and I just want to reiterate this. I said, I thank you, God, that you're with me. And I do ask you, if it be your will, to bring healing to my body. But either way, I am okay. And the peace that I received from praise and thanksgiving, and it was just something that I just camped out, and I never one time felt like, this is it. This is horrible. I never, I said, oh, God, please don't let me do that. So the goodness of God, wherever you are, praise him and thank him. And you might not, I mean, I wasn't just, you know, clapping my hands that every plan that we have made for the summer and the fall is, is going to be canceled. 
But I kept saying, thank you, God. Thank you that we're going through this together. 